Hey there, it's Mike Tramp, and you're listening to White Lion Fever, where rock and roll is still alive like it always has been and it always will be. Welcome to uh, White Lion Fever, we're back, and it's the second part of our interview with Lucy DeSoto, and uh, we talked last time about a couple of projects and recording. I want to ask you about something that I... I saw um, recently is a, a movie called Rock and Roll Outlaw, which is a, um, a documentary on Rose Tattoo, which I think Lucy is largely responsible for. Were you holding the camera most of the time? Yeah, I sure was. <laughs> um, that was an incredible project. Um, I was lucky enough to get a, a scholarship to go to UTS to do a doctorate. And part of the, pro- the part of the doctoral, doctoral process was, um, you know, not just writing a thesis. It was uh, to produce a production piece. So I was kind of in a. I wasn't really sure what I was going to do. But then what happened was very tragically, Peter was diagnosed with cancer, and he couldn't travel with Rose Tattoo. And they were heading off overseas again, and he was kind of not feeling fantastic, you know, naturally. So I said, hey, while you're getting your treatment, you know, while you're in recovery, why don't we, you know, do a series of interviews and start making a film about the story of Rose Tattoo? Because at that stage it had had kind of peaked again, and they were playing in front of you know, 80,000 fans at, at festivals and in stadiums and stuff all over Europe. So, and hundreds of thousands of fans. So, um, it was quite a phenomenon. And I really hadn't had any experience of Rose Tattoo live before the 1990s. So, as that wave crested of their second popularity, I kind of got a, an, a, an impression of how influential they were and how big they were back in the late 70s and the early 80s. And I really wanted to kind of document that because while Rose Tattoo weren't, you know, the most popular band in the world, they were pretty much one of the most influential mm. bands of all time. Mm. And I wanted to kind of get that down um, on film and so and get Pete sort of give Peter space to talk about his mm. life and his his incredible inspirational work. So that's that's how it happens. That's how it started. And then um, you know as those interviews progressed it was just a logical kind of sequence of events to speak to Ian Ryland and Mick Cox and Geordie and you know Kingy and Angry, mm. yeah, so I ended up speaking to all of them and um, putting that together as a, a documentary called Rock and Roll Outlaw. But you know, I think when I saw it, there was someone had come in from the states and they'd financed the showing of it that night at the Bullface Stag. Is there some sort of licensing issue with it with the music? Aha! Well, here's the interesting thread to all this, is that the person that bankrolled that screening Mm. was the same guy that put the money up for Bitsa. Right. 
Ah. Roger Franklin. Okay. Um, and he's a big fan. Mm. And he, um, yeah, really helped me out because there are licensing issues um, with the film. The publishing rights are owned by Albert's Music and they want a shitload um, of money before I can own it. Mm and screen it and sell it commercially. So mm. I, I've never been able to get anybody to put that much money out. Mm. Mm. So uh, it's there and it hasn't gone away. Mm. And maybe one day when Angry's the Prime Minister... <laughs> 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 but is it is it possible that instead of you owning it outright, that they just get a percentage of anything you make out of it? Is, have you, is that, I don't know anything about business, but is there a way that we can more people can see it without, you know what I mean, without it staying in the attic forever, you know? Yes, there is. And I'm not sure how it's going to pan out, but I'd like to see it out there uh, in the first three months of next year. Right. And where would out there be? In public, <laughs> right. available to the public. Yeah. Right. Like in cinemas or? No, I think um, DVD mm. would be the best option. You'd probably buy it online. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, or download it and, you know. So what's it like sort of negotiating with Alberts? Like, does anger show up with a briefcase? <laughs> How does it work? In your dreams. <laughs> yeah. Um... Well, I don't want to say too much yeah. about that. Okay, yeah. fair enough. Okay. Now, um, um, just obviously you're way into that movie as Pete Wells. You were a big part of his career. You must have some you know, great great memories about, about working with him. Yeah, of course. That was um, a relationship that lasted 22 years. Um, it was a major part of my life. It was the kind of major relationship in my life and... Uh, changed my life and uh, yes and so those memories are the memories of yeah my life so <laughs> um, I, I I've been persuaded to uh, sit down and start writing about it I was going to ask you about that yeah yeah uh, a few people have suggested that I write a book and just recently uh, I've met a publisher who said that um, there would definitely be interest in publishing such a story so I've just I've just finished um, a sample chapter mm. so it's very early days but, and I, I still haven't decided whether I'm going to change the names to protect the guilty or not <laughs> but <laughs> yeah I guess in the end that's up to the publishers yeah um We'll come, we'll come back. Uh, well, we'll do another song, and then we'll, there's so much to talk about. But we'll do another song. What do you What do you got for us? Absolutely, I'd love to hear <laughs> you play um, a, a tune that Peter and I wrote called "Between the Saddle and the Ground." But it's a special version. Uh, this is a, a version recorded live at Damien Gerard's with the Pete Wells Band in about 1996. <laughs> Yeah. 
Hi, this is Michael from Bonafide, and you're listening to White Line Fever. The round started with uh, Brisbane over Bulldogs 16-11 uh, at the Suncorp Stadium, and then 24-12, Sydney Roosters win the minor premiership over um, South Sydney. I'm here with Sam Mower. What was that atmosphere like? Uh, sensational. The biggest ever crowd uh, for a standalone regular season game. Yeah, it was crazy. It's, uh, I can't, can't explain. It's uh, the biggest rugby league game I've ever been involved in, and uh, it was a great atmosphere, and makes it better that we won. So, uh, yeah, it was just really good that we got an improved performance over the last month or so. So uh, it was exactly what we were looking for tonight. Now, you guys weren't investing too much in winning the minor premiership. The coach has been playing it down. But now you've won it. You're allowed to get a bit excited? <laughs> oh, well, it probably symbolises how we're all feeling as a team. You know, it wasn't we weren't too excited about winning the actual minor premiership. I think we were more excited after the game on, on how we performed and... Mm. Especially our form over the last month hasn't been too crash hot, and uh, we just spoke about getting back to what's been good for us during the year, and that's been our defence. And yeah, we we're fortunate enough tonight to, to come away with the win. You've had a great year coming back from Super League. Um, was it as you expected coming back? Did you expect it to be harder, easier? What what aspects of it surprised you, if any? Because you, you've you know you've gone really well. Yeah, I think uh, first and foremost, it's uh, been a good choice to come to the Roosters of the tremendous club. Uh, they're a united club and it filters down from the, the board members down to the staff and the officers and our coaches and I've come back to a great side and it's, it's easy to slot in when you just have to you know, pitch in your, your 10 cents worth and that's what I've been trying to do during the year so uh, I'm just stoked to be a part of the team and, and, and playing week in week out and trying to offer something. A couple of consecutive losses going into this game tonight what changed? Was it the occasion that got you up? Was it other things that were done during the week that turned things around? I think we, we, the short turnaround probably helped us because we were so excited to get back and, uh, and make amends after losing on uh, Sunday against the Titans. And we just spoke briefly during the week about you know, what's been good for us. And we needed a bit of passion and a bit of uh, mongrel back in D in our, our defence, which has been good for us during the year. So we spoke about everyone just doing, doing their job. And, and collectively as a team, we needed an improved performance. And that's what we got tonight. Just two more questions. You got the, the finals ahead of you now. A month. Do you look at? The, is it hard not to look at the other teams? Measure yourself up against them. You know, where, try to figure out in your head where you where you sit with, alongside them. I know the coach wants you know one week at a time, but there's only eight teams left. Yeah. Well, the the scary thing is either either way you look, you're still going to face a hard team. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you face one of the bottom ranked sides, um, it, it's still a die for them. So they're going to come out hungry. And I think next week you're going to play either Melbourne or Manly. I'm not too sure. Mm-hmm. And they're, they're two cracking games. Uh, they've got big game players, and it's, it's, there's no easy road from here on in. And I think that's what that's what makes the good teams and separates them from from the uh, the okay ones. And finally, after that, you go to the World Cup with Tonga. Look like they're going to have the strongest squad outside the top three. Really, is that exaggerating, or do you do you see it that way? Yeah, well, they've definitely got some talent there, and they've uh, they've been able to to get get a group together who can who can actually perform. And they've got a good a lot of good young players coming through, mixed with. Uh, a few, a few older players, and the sky's the limit for, for Tonga. And uh, if they can get all the all the players on board, uh, there's no there's no reason why they can't give it a shake up. Go on, Sam. Thanks for talking to us. Thanks, Steve.
Yeah, hey, this is uh, Clifford Ho from Kings of the Sun, and you're listening to White Line Fever, and um, there's a road to nowhere out there, and you just got to go out and find it. Woo! Saturday, uh, Dragons uh, 19, uh, Warriors 10, and uh, absolute cliffhanger in Melbourne. It was uh, 23-22. Ryan Hoffman, at times you were in control of the game, and at other times, I mean, right at the end there, you would have been entitled to think you were going to hang on, considered the try with two minutes left. Yeah, we did. I mean, we probably had opportunities. Well, we, we did have opportunities to put the put the game away, but the, the Titans, to their credit, kept on um, putting this back with their defence. And uh, look, we, we switch off with two minutes to go, and that they even the game up. So look, we uh, we did well in Golden Point there to get away with the win, but it's certainly a game that could have gone either way. And there was a bit of a controversial decision, wasn't there, against them? Uh, the, the video refereeing thing looked like it was a try to Aiden Caesar to most people. Yeah, look, that was uh, that, that was an interesting one. We were. We were expecting to go either way, but obviously we were very happy to go our way. And look, oh, we, you tend to find out these things all come out in the end. Um, it's probably, we're getting one back from the dodgy decision earlier on in the year. <laughs> now, what's your level of confidence like going into the finals, given that it's particularly Manly? Like, did Manly do anything last week that surprised you? I mean, does it affect your confidence if you've got to play them again? Um, did, they, did they pull anything out that you didn't expect last week? No, look, it's, finals are a completely different season. And um, we, we go in, in this part of the season to really confident. Manly played better than us last mm-hmm. week. There's no better way to say it. We didn't show up with the right attitude. We know we have to, if we play them again, we're going to have to shape up. Just like um, next week when we're probably going to play the Roosters, we're going to sh- show up with a great attitude because you're playing against the, the minor premiers. I, I don't think they're going to do, do anything that's... Um, that's going to surprise us too much. I mean, we played all year, we, we tend to get a fair idea, so well, it's just up to us making sure we come out with the right attitude. Brett Finch has done his shoulder, and, and Gareth Witter is only just coming back tomorrow. Uh, so, what does that do to your team that you've, you know, as far as the halves are concerned? I mean, you managed to win the game without him today. Yeah, look, um, it's really a shame for Finch here because he's been in great form for us, but look. We don't know the extent, obviously, and hopefully he'll be right next week. But if not, and Gaz pulls up sweet tomorrow, we can um, get him back in the sixth jersey because he's done the job for us many times before. It's a great month ahead, Ryan. Enjoy it. Certainly will, Steve.
Hey, this is Jizzy Pearl here, hanging with Steve, and you're listening to White Line Fever. Welcome back to the program, and uh, thanks so far for our guest, Lucy DeSoto, uh, Sam Moa, who plays the Tonga, um, Ryan Hoffman, uh, and I'm here with uh, our next guest, Nick Tedeschi. Nick, how are you? Looking forward to the finals? Very well, Stephen. Yes, uh, always pumped for the finals. It should be a cracking weekend, I'd imagine. Now, when we uh, sit here and uh, do this bit, we just fill in the gaps of stuff that hasn't been mentioned so far. That's what we start with anyway. Hopefully we add something after that. But uh, North Queensland, 50, West Tigers, 22. Uh, Penrith, 38. Um, Manly, 26. Newcastle, 54. Parramatta, 6. And Cronulla, 38 over a very woeful Canberra, 18. That's the scores we haven't mentioned so far. Um, Canberra Raiders are in a lot of trouble, aren't they? Uh, Anthony Milford and... And, and Josh Papali going drinking two nights before uh, the game against the Warriors. I think they're about to find themselves in more trouble if they offer Ricky Stewart a seven-year, seven million dollar deal. <laughs> but uh, uh, is that why the natives are restless down there? They're scared of the, the new substitute teacher who's coming in. It <laughs> oh, oh, might be restless, but for a guy who's got a uh, a twenty percent win record uh, the last three years he's coached and a thirty-eight percent win record since he's uh, since Brad Fittler retired, I. Uh, I think it should be. Are you now. Todd Ballum? You know those stats off the top of your head. <laughs> I've been very anti Ricky Stewart for a long time, so uh, I've, I've got, I, I did send Todd a note and thank him for his uh, wonderful work towards the cause. But uh, uh, oh, you've got to feel sorry for the Raiders. Yeah. Talk about a club in crisis. The six best players of uh, yeah, next thing, Sean Fenster will be, uh, yeah. Going belting a cop or something uh, next week. They're, they're in a lot of trouble, the Raiders. Yeah, um, we're not actually suggesting that. That was just he just pulled that. <laughs> we, we're certainly not suggesting he's done that or would ever do that. I'm just saying the way the Raiders' season's gone, it's something horribly untoward. You should have either said a, a Raiders player will next belt a cop or Sean Fenton will do something. I think the fact you put them both together in one <laughs> sentence. Anyway, um, I would never imply anything about. My favourite Raiders player. No, very impressive uh, man, Sean Fenton. Now, um, um, we'll try and just keep it really fresh. The news um, also from... You never call Mad Monday as being event-free on Tuesday. Yeah, that is fraught with danger, isn't it? And sure enough, we found out Mitchell Allgood went for a drink driving only mid-range, which would... Uh, Again, he shouldn't have got behind the wheel, but the players of yesteryear would have said, well, if he was stupid enough to do it, the fact he only went mid-range, rugby league really has changed. Yeah. To be fair, it was probably a good result for rugby league today. It's, uh, it could have been a lot, lot worse. Not, not to make fun of, uh, of drink driving or any stretch of the imagination, but... Uh, so in, the last, in the last two minutes, we've actually carried on like we have listeners. <laughs> we, we, I know, incredible, incredible. How do we, uh, how do we get to this point? Uh, uh, look, I... I'll just say this about Mad Monday yesterday, and to follow the Telegraph's lead, at least we didn't have a midget there. <laughs> so exactly, exactly. Okay, so I think the, probably the smart thing to do would be to go through uh, the games. Um, South Sydney and uh, Melbourne on Friday night at AZ Stadium is actually the second qualifying final, even though it's being played first. I know it's very confusing because it's second versus third. So... Um, um, now Melbourne very shaky on Saturday night, um, and 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 uh, Rabbitohs quite shaky the night before. How do you draw a line through that? Look, uh, to me this is very much a uh, uh, Melbourne versus a mini Melbourne. You know, Michael Maguire has very much brought the attitude, the defensive structures in. Greg Inglis obviously at uh, the Rabbitohs, but the Storm won nine in their twenty-two games against South. And yes, Melbourne have been shaky the last last couple of weeks. They were flogged by Manly the week before, but. 
They're the only time in Premier Premiership history to record two 60-point wins in a season against two different teams. Mm. And they've done it in the space of a month. I think That's got... why you're hitting stats. You're hitting the stats. <laughs> I'm a stats nerd. There's no doubt about that. Uh, look, to me, South, they've got, they've got too many holes out wide. And I think the Melbourne's experience. Melbourne, to pull out another stat if you don't mind, 9-2-1 against top four sides the last uh, two years. Mm. South's 4-8. and eight. I think Melbourne, state, Melbourne win the big games. Southstone, I think I'd, you've got to be on Melbourne. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I think it's about time South Sydney sort of unshackled themselves from the pressure surrounding uh, you know big games and achieving things and just concentrated on playing football. You know, and I think um, the last game against Melbourne in Melbourne. There was a this will test. This will be a great test of Souths. Blah blah blah. Didn't work. Um, and then last week, oh, we've got to win the minor premiership. Blah blah blah. I think, you know, I just want to see South Sydney, you know, play to their potential on Friday night and, and leave all that stuff behind. And if they can do that, um, then I think they're a chance. But uh, absolutely, look, I think the, I think Melbourne is actually the worst matchup they could have got. I think they would have been better playing the Roosters or Manly mm. in the first week. I just think Melbourne kind of, like you say, one hundred percent right. They kind of put that focus on, like, this is the Premier, this is the team we've got to beat. Well, I think Isaac Luke just plays his natural game, runs that dummy half. But Melbourne's vulnerability is in the middle there. They've got a pretty, I wouldn't say a weak forward pack, but their middle defence is, they're not over, overly blessed with size or kind of lateral movement. Yeah, those Burgess boys kind of running off of Isaac Luke's sharp out of dummy half. I think calls all kinds of trouble, but like you say, they seem to clam up, you know. It's like the... Yeah, Greg Norman in the last out of Arsenal. It, it doesn't work out so well. So, uh, well, I'd like to see South get free, but I, I just don't think they will do it tomorrow. Uh, Cronulla and North Queensland. North Queensland on a six-match winning streak. Cronulla rested a number of players. I thought it was great in the program. They didn't try to make up injuries. It just said under casualties, rested. <laughs> and so oh, I think it's that's great. I think other clubs will kind of make something up. Cronulla are like ah, whatever. Um, um, this is it. This is pretty intriguing, this one. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Look, this is two teams that will probably overcome significant pressures this year. Obviously, the Sharks with the, the dreaded Asada investigation, they've kind of battled on when their, I guess, counterparts in Melbourne, Essendon, were thrown out of the finals. Cowboys, gone six weeks ago. Neil Henry, you know, saved. And to me, the interesting point in this, aside from the, the game itself, is this push for Neil Henry as the, as the saviour of the Cowboys, as the... Fans are getting the petition ready. Let's get save, save Henry. Phil Rockfield's declared Neil Henry as the uh, as the coach who's going to save Parramatta. He's been talking about West, the Dragons, the Raiders. The... Is Neil Henry actually better off having been dismissed for next year and having his career saved and being kind of pushed into that next job? Is that? Yeah, yeah, yeah I think he, he probably is uh, better off. I think um, certainly uh, the team is better off, aren't they? Um, something about it. The same releasing pressure and stuff now. I don't know whether he wasn't reaching the players anymore, but I mean, we talked about Canberra then, and um, the players never tell us what they really think of coaches, do they? But they tend to have more and more influence. So um, if the players, you know, I don't know, if the players have wanted to keep him, you know, they probably should, you know, they yeah. probably should have done it a couple of months ago. Um, the other game in the doublehead, and I do like the doubleheader, and the thing I like about the doubleheader, even though, even though I did a thing in the um, Herald on Monday about things going circles, you know, we. We got more flexibility in the uh, finals because we couldn't. Uh, one game drew too many people and they were locked out. And we get to the point now, um, eight years down the track from that, 
and we go back to the same venue, we're actually putting two games on at the same place. It's, it's like we just go round in circles. We, we, the very venue that we had too many people at eight years ago, changing our entire system, is now too big for one game. It's just unbelievable. But To, uh, to be fair, though, the Cowboys aren't, don't, don't draw particularly well no. in Sydney. Manly fans are allergic to coming across the bridge. Mm. Roosters aren't renowned for having the biggest crowds in there. Mm. And all the sharkies, so I think it's a wonderful idea to have oh, the double. And the best thing about it is that you, when you get fans from more than two clubs at a venue, suddenly you get this extra dimension. Well, you, you, you've probably been to it. I don't know if you have. Tell us about the the super, the magic weekend in Super League. Is it a wonderful weekend? Or? It is. It is. But I, I think it'll be a bit different this week because it's um, you know this week the games are very serious. But basically, that's the magic weekend is the one where people you know they get a fancy dress and. Uh, they just wander in and out, and um, um, it's a bit like the sevens used to be here. That would be a better, better equivalent. Well, than, the nines will be next yeah, year, yeah, I guess. Yeah. So. yeah. Um, okay, so um, Sydney Roosters and Manly. Uh, what do you think? That's that, that, that's a that's a, that's the game of the weekend for me. Yeah, look, it is the best game of the weekend for mine as well. I, I actually think the Roosters. I think you know, Roosters ranked the best attack and best defence this year. Uh, Manly, look, they've been good, but they don't have a great record. They've only they've only beaten one top top four side this year. They've lost to lost to South both times. You know, they, they beat Melbourne once. Drew with Melbourne, lost to the Roosters both times. Uh, I actually think the Roosters are a, a, a really good side, and to me, it's very much up to whether Mitchell Pearce and uh, and James Maloney step up in a big game. Mitchell Pearce has shown a long history of not stepping up in accounts, and not not to be negative, but he, yeah, he hasn't got a great Origin record, hasn't got a great Finals record, but he gets an opportunity to go and do a lot of that kind of you know, patchwork that's kind of been made up to be his character, and he gets a really good chance to lose against a, a very good manly side. I think the Roosters get the money. What? Yeah, the thing is uh, with the Roosters, you know, they dropped those two games, didn't they, at the back end of the uh, um, regular season? But you wouldn't call them big games, you know, you know, um, Gold Coast and Cronulla. Um, so it is. Uh, we we're talking earlier about uh, South Sydney and the big stage and how they respond to it mentally and. Um, the Roosters, well, we saw last Friday that they responded well, so I can't imagine that it's not going to be a bigger crowd or a bigger occasion. Than, uh, it's a bigger occasion on paper, but it's not going to be more intimidating no, than no, last, no. last Friday. No, not at all. I think Trent Robinson has shown himself that he, 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 he's very good at timing when they, when they get up, when, they, when they're ready, and they're often very well prepared. And I think in these games, the better defensive side will, will win, and I think that the Roosters probably have that edge. I think Mel have a few more vulnerabilities, kind of. Your boys, Canterbury, on Sunday against Newcastle. Uh, Canterbury, surprise, losers 16-11 last week to Brisbane. Oh, they were pathetic last week, the Bulldogs. They were uh, um, all over the shop. They've got very little kind of punch and attack. And they were all over the shop. Ben Barber was well out of nick when he, he came on the field. Trent Hodgkins had one of his worst games of the year. Look, the only thing they'll say of Canterbury is if they pull out one of those uh, 95 dogs of war, you know, just get together and... Let's do this, but to me, Newcastle are a better team on paper, and Newcastle have every right to win that game. So it'll take something pretty special for the Bulldogs to uh, pull this one out. And if they do, they're going to be very much up against it when they uh, when they tackle either South or Melbourne the week. Yeah, um, the, the, the quote of the year probably from Wayne Bennett has been, "I don't know what team's going to get off the bus." Um, the, the good Knights have been getting off the bus more and more regularly. But for me, if I you know tipping, I, I have the same concern as Wayne Bennett expressed midway through the season. You just I've seen them play well Newcastle this year, and I've seen them be pretty average. So it's hard to know. Have you seen a team with more kind of volatility in the way they play, without kind of significant changes to their squad? Like it's, yeah. it's incredible they can come out and belt Canterbury thirty-eight-six or forty-four-six, or whatever they were at home, and then 
yeah, come out and lose home games to Cronulla, or you know, they're, they're all over the shop tonight. So. Yeah. Uh, Nick, we're going to try and do this uh, every week. Um, and when we do the grand final edition, I'll be drinking again. I'm on the wagon. <laughs> oh, but, excellent. Excellent. Um, that time has been very, very dull tonight. Drinking. It has. Yeah, it has been very dull. Um, so um, just uh, remember, wildlifefever.ning.com is the website. Come and join. Uh, during the finals, I've been doing some live blogs and stuff, so uh, you can um, actually uh, get involved in real time, talking about what's happening on the field. And uh, we're on also on uh, Twitter, uh, WLF Podcast. And uh, next week, we'll be here again. Thanks, Nick.
Hello everybody, this is Ron Bumblefoot Thaw. You might know me from Guns N' Roses or not. And you're listening <laughs> You're listening to White Line Fever. So uh, finals kick off Friday night, uh, South Sydney and Melbourne um, out at ANZ at Bryson Goodwin here. Um, Bryson, the build-up to, to this game, I suppose the last time you played Melbourne, you know, there was a huge build-up, it was seen as a big test. And again, last week, minor premiership on the line. Can the build-up sometimes overshadow what you've got to do in the match? Oh, no, we, we, we try to not... Uh get into that too much, the build-up, we're trying not to buy into it, we keep our face out of the papers and the TV and just uh, and uh, worry about our own game and what we were going to do. Um, I'm sure it'll be a big build-up again this week towards the game and yeah, we'll be doing our best to win. What do you What do you think went wrong last uh, last Friday against the Roosters? Oh mate, I think we just, we dropped a lot of ball and I don't know, we just, just didn't look like we were there but to the Roosters' credit, they played really well and maybe they made us drop the ball and, and that sort of thing so uh I don't know, we'll just have to be better this week. Now, the Melbourne Storm on Saturday wasn't one of their better performances, but they, they just snuck home by a point. But um, one fellow who had a blinder was Justin O'Neill, chasing Cooper Cronk's kicks, tapping it down to Billy Slater. They did it over and over again, and they got a lot of uh, a lot of mileage out of it. How, how, has that been discussed, and how do you combat that sort of thing? Uh, mate, we've just got to be good in our <laughs> kick defence and just do your best, I guess. They're, they're well known for their um, good catching ability down there on the crossfield kicks. Cooper Cronk, he does... Uh, his kick's always on the spot, so um, I know we just got to do our best, and um, I know we'll just have a look at it on the video and see what we can do. As a wingy, you know if you're up in the line, he's going to kick behind you, don't you? Cooper, he doesn't miss many opportunities. Yeah, no, he doesn't. He's, he's one of the best in the game with his kicking game, so um, yeah, you just, you just got to be switched on all the time with him. Now, you've played a few final series. It's a great time in Sydney, isn't it? It's starting to get a bit warm. Yeah. The end of the season's getting near, and, uh, and, and, and the pressure obviously uh, increases. What, what's it like for, for a footy player, start of uh, September? You know what's ahead of you? Mate, it's, a, it's the best time of the year. It's what, you, it's what you start in November for, and you do all the hard training and work hard for all year. So, uh, yeah, so it's springtime, so it's beautiful outside, and it's just, yeah, it's an exciting time around the whole, whole state. Thanks for joining us, Bryce. Thank you.
wildlife fever. Going to run land down under. Going to turn around the corner way down yonder. <laughs> and I'm not even going to try to rhyme anymore. <laughs> Michael Monroe here for White Line Fever. <laughs>